Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Figus Studios, it is Weekend Geek Update. Smurf here, ready. Holy moly, it was a week unlike any other. It felt like it did in the days of old. The days of yore, before Rona, before all of the, 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 the calamity that befell us all in the nerd community. It was wild, and it was great, and I am here to inform you about everything, well, not everything, but a lot of it from the perspective of moi. My perspective is sponsored by Suzu Q's, who I did get to see this weekend at the Fan Expo Denver, which I will cover uh, to the best of my ability. There was so much going on. It was a packed con, and Suzy was there selling her her unique and incredible creations, her jewelry, um, her bracelets, her necklaces, her earrings. Go to SusieQs.com to check it out. We are we are approaching the final section of the season. We are, we are zeroing in on the end of the year, and if you need a Christmas gift, get those orders in now, so you don't have to you don't have to scramble everyone everyone would get something unique and, and there's nothing else like it on the market go check out suzyqs.com so you can see what what you can give to the one that means the most to you <laughs> i sound like a hallmark card i like that with the voice hallmark commercials um lots going on this was a very full week there was uh lots of so much. So there was the the Broadway Halloween parade that we uh, I did with the Colorado Ghostbusters walked down the street. Then there was the there's so many other like Halloween uh, inspired events that I was part of or involved in and and just to interact with everyone over, you know, such a huge gap of seeing people and being able to reconnect and make sure Everyone came through okay because, you know, there's always that concern and, you know, you're you're hoping your friends are fine. Some relocated, so, you know, the chances of seeing them may be a little bit thinner. But some people you just haven't heard from and you're like, oh, my God, how have you been? So it was kind of like a nice refreshing recap and retouch and just kind of, you know, how how you doing? What's up? Um, but let's get into – before we get into Denver – excuse me – the Fan Expo Denver. Uh, I keep wanting to call it Denver Comic Con, and I can't do that. It's not Denver Comic Con, but essentially it is. Um, we will get to that. There were also some other cool horror events that I was involved in, uh, two of which was like Tuesday and Wednesday. They were the screenings for a couple of films. Um, one was Last Night in Soho. The other one was Antlers. One... Um, Really was really good. I mean, I really did like it. And the other one, I liked it, but for different reasons. Now, I'll go into the quick reasons of... I don't want to go say why I didn't like it, but the the Antlers film... Now, I don't think it was as strong as Last Night in Soho. But, as it was pointed out to me, since we saw Last Night in Soho first... 
that kind of made a benchmark. Now, if you have seen Antlers independent of, you know, before seeing Last Night in Soho, there, you, you wouldn't have the comparison. Because the, the monster and the creation and the story are, are good. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is, it, it's, a, it's a cool story. There are a few holes that I'm kind of like, mm, okay, I don't, I don't, I don't get. Um, but okay. Um, especially when they ch- decided to choose when and when not to go into the, the, the fable, the, the story of the creature. And I don't want to give any spoilers out, so, you know, spoiler-free. But there were some moments where we're, we're like, well, if that's true about the, the monster, then why isn't the rest of this true? Or what about this aspect? So there are some interesting things that I think were creatively overlooked or they just didn't think of at the time. Because the story does flow along fairly well. Um, I wouldn't say it's slow, but the pace remains the same through most of it. Uh, it's not like a lazy approach, but it is more of a kind of relaxed approach, if you will. Now, the monster design and the creature design and all of that, you can see Del Toro's influence and in everything else as an executive producer. He, however, did not direct this film. So there are elements that I can see where he may have interjected or he may have come in and voiced his opinion about certain aspects of this telling of the tale... But I think it would have been a much more um, impactful or a more, I don't want to say diabolical film, because it's not that kind of film, but there would have been much more to the, the, the fable side of it, the story side of it, the, the, the shape of water side of it, if you will. And it does give me that kind of feel when I'm watching it of, okay, I see where they're going, and there it is, you know, still very Del, Toro, Del Toro-esque. But it is not Del Toro. Would I see it again? Most likely. I mean, it's not a bad film, especially considered, you know, who and what they're working with. But there are some definite, like, drops in the the characters, in the story, that didn't bother me. But, you know, once you walk out and you do the the atypical reflection in the lobby of the <laughs> of the theater... There, there. You're like, oh, what about this and what about that? But it is good. It is a good film. There are some, like I said, the creature design and everything that they did w- was great, and the prosthetics and the effects are very good. There are some very wise choices for camera angles and creature design. And there's this one scene that is absolutely fantastic for the creature that everybody was like in the lobby. Okay, that was freaking cool. Now, the other film, Last Night in Soho, is by far of the two films my favorite. This film has exceeded any expectation in my, in my, in my mind at all. Edgar Wright came in and has done the, uh, the screenplay. He's done the directing. He, he is so ingrained into this film that you can feel it. But it's very strange in how they get to with the end. Now, initially, it kind of starts out slow. It's a, it's a slow burn. But once you get into the second act, once the second act starts, then the doors get blown off. And it's one scene. You know immediately that you're, you're going in for the second act, and now here's the story. 
Edgar Wright does a fantastic job of establishing the characters and how this world works and a little bit of the background of the main character. And again, I'm not going to give you any any spoilers, but I will tell you this film is a must-see. Absolutely. Because um, you, you've got... Uh, L, who is the main character, who's, well, I don't know if she's the main character, but she's the focal point. She's the one that gets us through this complicated but not complicated story. They don't bright it up. They don't force feed you how to get to the end, and they let you come about it in your own way. When we were sitting there watching the film, there was kind of like a oddball guess of, you know, is this this person, is this that person, and all of that that went back and forth. But you're never really certain until the end. And what I like about it, it is typical Edgar Wright. All of the answers are almost immediately given to you. You just don't realize it yet. This film is so just deep in a psychological thriller and everything builds upon the other. But it's so well done and it's very clever. Not to mention the effects and the practical effects that are taking place in front of you that you don't realize. Because you're looking at this film, especially like when you start the second act. There is a scene that is absolutely intricate and and beautiful and is just mind-blowing when you realize this is all practical. There were no cut takes. There were no anything. And it's a dancing scene. And there is a behind the scenes on YouTube for this. Matt Smith as Jack delivers probably one of his most impressive roles. I mean, I know the crown is hard to beat. But when you see the range and how uh, Matt Smith delivers Jack's character from beginning to end. And you see a transition and the the true essence of Jack. You, you, really, you really get a scope of just how brilliant Matt Smith is in this role. And it's good to see, you know, a fellow doctor alum get out there and kind of, you know, strut his stuff, as we have not seen, you know. We've seen some good stuff from Tenet. Don't don't get me wrong. Don't at me. I'm still a Tenet fan, of course. But he hasn't done, like, a major, like, major, major role as as involved as this. Uh, I know Good Omens is, is spectacular. Not, not knocking that one at all, but... When you see Matt Smith pull this off, it is spectacular. It is really good. So once you see this film, promise me you'll go to YouTube and you'll watch the behind-the-scenes uh, take of the dance routine because it is, it is amazing. Um, Anya Taylor-Joy as Sandy steals the show. She absolutely – actually, you know, even uh, Elle and Sandy both have an equal part in creating this world, creating this story, and you, you really need both of them to to unravel this world, to lay it out before the fans, and they do an immense job at that. There is no moment where I, I, I have disbelief in the characters. I have no disbelief of anything that I'm seeing or, or any of that. And what they come forth with is, I think, pretty seamless. And it is spectacular. And you just see the absolute um, best and worst 
of both characters. I would definitely see Last Night in Soho again. I will most likely buy this film when it is released upon Blu-ray, and I, w- I want to own this one. This one is a keeper. It's it's bold, it's flashy, it's in it's engaging, and then you get to the end when you get to the third act, and then the special effects kick in. That's even even better, and and it, it's and it's like Edgar Wright just kind of planned everything. Well, of course he planned everything because you know he wrote it, but he laid it out so well and so meticulously. And at the end, when everything, when you get the reveals, you're like, "Well, shit, I should have seen that," or "Oh crap, how come I didn't see that one coming?" Or you know, even like the special effects that they brought in to close out the story. It's immense. It's great. And I, I highly recommend this film. Uh, I, I mean, it's not that I don't recommend Antlers, but if you are given a choice between Antlers and Last Night, I would, I would lean towards Last Night, honestly. T- to be completely honest with you, that is where I would go. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, yesterday, if you missed it, because everyone was recovering from Halloween and the... Long weekend. Uh, Star Wars Book of Boba Fett gave us our first trailer, and holy moly, this looks great. Um, Rodriguez, uh, Robert Rodriguez, who did one of the episodes. In fact, he introduced uh, Boba into Mandalorian, and this was this was his contribution. So now with him doing the Boba Fett Book of Boba Fett is just so, so impressive and important (laughs) so important um it's kind of funny because you're listening to you know interviews and everything that rodriguez has done and he's kind of you know a little all over the place because we've heard from rodriguez who's directing this that you know some people have pointed out they've been kind of stuck boba's been stuck in one place and you know he's always had this lore about him since he first appeared in Empire. And let's face it, everybody just kind of clamored all over this character with little to nothing known about him. And it's kind of fun to see him evolve. And they quoted as like, that was the advantage for me, was that he hadn't been seen, you know, or introduced in a dynamic way until, of course, Mandalorian episode um, chapter 14, uh, The Tragedy, which brings, you know, everything kind of into... Um, brings it all back home, and it's and it's great. Of course, Rodriguez is trying to be as um, as as cagey, but reveal as much as possible. He was quoted saying, "I can't say anything about that." Sworn to silence, I can say I'm working on it, and I can tell you it's gonna blow your mind. Uh, and he teased that. He continued to say, "You saw him arrive in my episode on the Mandalorian. That was nothing. That was nothing." I can take it up all I want because I know it's going to deliver. And he's going to deliver. In fact, he's saying he's going to over-deliver. And I'm sure the fans are clamoring and they're excited to see what he's got going on. There hasn't been too many other things that um, have been teased about the series, mostly just the characters and what you saw in the trailer. It definitely shows that Boba's had time to think. He even contradicts people and corrects them and says, I'm not a bounty hunter. You know, he, that's that's not his role. He just, you know, did whatever it took to pay the bills. And you kind of saw that in War of the Bounty Hunters, the comic book series that just finished over at Marvel. So I think Filoni and Favreau are 
very plugged in on this with everybody else and you know they are all super fans so i have no doubt that rodriguez has both of them in his ear and they've already laid out this story to kind of compliment and take boba to that next level i mean we won't have long to wait the premiere is december 29th on disney plus so fingers crossed uh, i know where i'll be and i'll probably watch it two three times the night it comes out because i can't i can't wait uh, there hasn't been any word on Mando yet, but I would find it extremely odd you would go this far and not have Mando somewhere involved. I mean, they've promised that there will be other, um, you know, other appearances, more surprises and all of that. We'll see. I mean... I wouldn't. I guess I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some of you know Tatooine's less than desirables, and you know for that point, some Empire guys. I I totally want to see that. Oh, I I would I would love to see even a few more you know Mandalorians pop up. So whatever it takes, I'm 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 all for this. I can't I can't wait. Hopefully, it answers some other questions. It's five years after you know Return of the Jedi, so there could be. Any number of surprises, maybe, you know, Han Solo comes looking for a little payback. Maybe? Can, can we get that? That would be awesome. Oh, uh, what else? Uh, oh, so this caught my eye. Um, Catwoman, the Haunted trailer from Warner Brothers Entertainment landed. Um, it's Here's the rundown. Uh, in an attempt to steal a priceless jewel, it puts uh, Catwoman squarely in the crosshairs of both powerful uh, consortium of villains and um, ever resourceful uh, other people that are trying to kill her. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it sounds like now I've watched the trailer. There's a trailer available on YouTube, and I don't know. The art style is different. Uh, it is more anime style, and it looks like they're trying to do more of, like, the Batman Samurai style, and it's fine. Um, they are saying that this does have some kind of tie to Young Justice and how that evolved. But ever since DC kind of closed out its uh, New 52 kind of-esque line at, with the last uh, animated short it's they, they. I don't know if they're trying to find a new groove or a new place or how they want to fit everything together. And I don't mind them not having a linked universe for when it comes to the animated series. It's fun to kind of see them go back and forth and, you know, interact. However, standalone stories and things like this are kind of cool. Batwoman does show up and looks spectacular. There hasn't been, like, a whole lot involved with her in anything. So to see her and Catwoman team up totally makes sense. Catwoman is the thief. She's in the tight black leather, but they do do a few throwbacks to, like, some of her previous costumes, especially the one from, you know, back in the day with the cape. And, and it's just, it looks so, it looks ridiculous, but it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? It just has that, that classic air about it. I am excited that they are stepping away from, the staples they're trying to integrate other characters that we haven't seen that they haven't highlighted because dc has so many characters if it's written properly it could be a good animated story it could be something very entertaining so from the 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 story perspective and having catwoman you know as the the highlight 
I'm I actually am very hopeful on this, and it looks kind of humorous and lighthearted at the same time. Uh, a just a good, you know, caper, good you know, theft, and I'm all for that. Anything different in the comic book world that you know is is fine with me. I'm tired of the rehashes. No more Bruce Wayne's origins. None of that. And until they get, I mean, mm, I can't say until they get telling you know some of the comic book stories correctly. And yes, I am I am talking about Killing Joke, but Long Halloween was really well done. So I, I can't I can't fault them on that. But there are different choices that I think that could have been made for you know Killing Joke in addition to other stories that they've told. But like I said, Long Halloween very well done. And if you picked up Long Halloween Special Edition for comics that came out last week, then um, there's a little add-on to the story. I was so happy to see that. Like, yay! This makes me happy. Sorry, drinking. Coffee. Coffee. Drink way too much this weekend. Oh, too much wine. Um, so the, the Catwoman trailer is set uh, right now on YouTube if you want to go check it out. The release to Blu-ray and digital uh, download is February 8th of 2022. So not far at all. Just the the regular, you know, winter, spring, fall release that DC has done so well over the last couple of years. So there you go. Um, What else? Uh, Before we get to Fan Expo, one other story, my take. Um, The new Doctor Who with Jodie Whittaker... Um, premiered, I, I guess, <laughs> on Halloween. I, uh, I don't know. I haven't seen any of the ratings. I haven't got any feedback yet, but I can tell you my thoughts on it. And some of it's good. Some of it's not so good. But uh, Chris Chimnall wasn't as chimnally, I guess. I don't know. I mean, there were there there really wasn't a whole lot of. Uh, <sighs> any of his previous mistakes or any of his previous um, misconceptions or bad takes shown through in this first episode. However, it's the end of the universe as we know it again, and it's an element that nobody has any idea about, and the Doctor is completely caught flat-footed that um, the Doctor is completely unaware of what is transpiring. However, there is this other race the race of dog people (laughs) that are coming to save humanity. They're coming to Earth to get all the humans off before this wave of antimatter or anti-time or the destruction of the universe. It just kind of really has like the the ribbon effect in Star Trek, you know, and the ribbon's coming and it just, you know, takes everything out in its path. The special effects and everything that they put together for this series so far look spectacular it's only six episodes so it's a very it's a rather contained story it kind of reminds me when Tennant did kind of his victory lap when he was still the doctor and he was on his way out so they did those specific stories to stretch out that final year and this is kind of very reminiscent of that so in a way I approve of that at least it's a more focused story instead of them bouncing around I don't know if I'm going to be all sold on what I've seen as far as what's to come but but, um, okay. And those images are actually, you've already seen them in the previews with the Santarans, I think, taking on the French, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know, but it just seems rather strange. I mean, I know the Santarans are all about war and 
facing off against you know anybody but it just seems like it would be rather rather a, a quick slaughter since you can't shoot a centaurin with the gun with a bullet so i don't especially the french with their guns and it's like muskets what the hell anyway the first episode there are some bright points we do get the new companion dan companion dan it sounds like a soft drink and he's 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 unique he's fun he's a rather I don't want to say down on his luck, but he's a very giving individual. He's very generous, um, and he's kind of the everyday guy because Yaz has definitely stepped over into the experienced companion area and has been traveling with the doctor for what it seems to be some time because she even makes the point to Yaz that, you know, haven't I taken you and shown you all these great places ever since the family broke up at the end of season 12 the characterization and and relationship between yaz and the doctor are it, it's weird but how this story works it's very chaotic i mean there's no real explanation you're just kind of thrown in so you're trying to trying to figure out who all these characters are and obviously everyone is familiar with everybody else we're just kind of coming in at halftime and left to try and figure out what side everybody is on and it's a rather flip-floppy side the guy the dog that we are introduced to in the first five minutes of the show suddenly is now an ally we have no idea why he's trying to take out the doctor and yaz with a pit of acid but it was rather you know saturday morning cartoons you know curses batman got away again so it was just kind of one of those things like I said, the special effects are great, but it's just a very interesting way to put them in. It was very chaotic. It wasn't really well organized. You kind of pull things out. Not that I want everything explained to me, but I at least kind of want to know who the major players are. The major villain is left rather ambiguous, and that's fine. I'm all for that, but there is definitely something going on as indicated between the conversation with him and the Doctor. Of course, the Doctor's memory now is in question and fuzzy, and I think this is a reference to the Timeless Child as we kind of zero in, and that's like the major focal point and takeaway from last season. So I don't know if they're going to try and address that. I know rumors have it that... It's the future doctors. That's why our doctor has no memory of it because it just hasn't happened. And I think that's just kind of like the rewrite or a way of Chimnall, you know, appeasing the, the fans before they get really angry with him, which is too late because, you know, frankly, he's, he's already pissed us off and, and he deserves to go away. <laughs> the question is, though, how is he going to go away? What is the train wreck that will be left for Russell T. Davies is yet to be seen. When we watch this episode, it isn't bad. It's just a jumbled mess of ideas and thoughts and action with little to no explanation. And yes, I know I'm kind of like speaking both sides where I don't want to be force fed my sci-fi. But at some point, you do kind of have to explain things, especially when essentially the TARDIS is bleeding. Um, and my only fear, this is my greatest fear. That somewhere along the line, Chimnall is going to try and screw up the TARDIS. One of the most iconic items in all of geekdom. And this jackass is going to go in there and mess it up. This just may be a way for them to set up the TARDIS reorganizing and redesigning the desktop again for the new Doctor that comes in to replace Whitaker. And that's fine. But I, I, my, my fear 
Chimnall has messed up even the basics and the fundamentals of everything that I hold true to sci-fi, so him screwing up the TARDIS doesn't seem that far of a stretch. I don't know. I'm being... Maybe I'm being too hasty in my judgments, and maybe this all works out in the rinse. It's a good question, and, and it's a good good hope. It's a good prayer. Do I like what I saw? Yes. I wasn't upset. I wasn't as angry as I have been with past episodes. And there are some very interesting elements. We got Weeping Angels in the first episode. There's a mystery around some Earthlings. There, there, there are some definitely good elements, and I don't know how much Chimnall has had or has not had when putting this story together, because obviously he's had help. There are other elements that have um, presented themselves that are obviously not Chimnall. So uh, to see new monsters intermingled with old monsters is refreshing. It's cool. It's great. Uh, it's a, it's gives me a little hope in regards to Doctor Who. So I will let you know as the rest of the season unfolds. It's only six episodes. One's down. So five to go, which puts us right into the holiday season. And who knows what after that. But fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Now, this weekend, we just got done with the Fan Expo Denver. And it was a diminished crowd. They were only operating at uh, 75%. So it wasn't like a packed house. And it was fun. It was very much needed to feel the bigger con. I haven't gone to one yet. Emerald City is still on the horizon for me. But for this to be essentially my big, big con, it was fun. It was manageable. Everybody seemed to have a good time. So all in all, I would say a hit. Um, The guests and the lineup... Like I said a couple of weeks ago when I did the introduction and my breakdown for the con, most of which have been here, but it was kind of fun to see um, Clark Kent and Lex Luthor, you know, sitting next to each other. Tom Welling and um, Rosenbaum were next to each other, and they're drawing, you know, mustaches and defacing the other's banner, (laughs) which was actually pretty hilarious. I didn't get to talk to Rosenbaum because I do and did want to talk to him, and hopefully I'll able to run into him again because i have started listening and watching some of his podcasts inside you which are very well done and i do like his questions and his familiarity with his guests probably helps with the comfort level for them to talk and kind of talk freely about how things were what's going on in some of the other events and uh i don't want to say scandals but they were scandals that have happened to some of the castmates since smallville's ending uh years ago so it's been kind of fun uh, to watch those guys interact. Probably, for me, the the best, uh, without a doubt, the best experience uh, was with uh, Giancarlo Esposito. That was probably, for me, the, the best event and the coolest takeaway that I had from the the entire event. Now, I did try to get an interview, of course, because that is what I do. However, um, Giancarlo did uh, not stay for the entire length of the con. He left Saturday afternoon. So it limited on his availability and um, just basically just uh, he couldn't do it. There just wasn't enough time between panels, signing, and photo ops. Now, I didn't get a photo op, really. I didn't go through the line and do that nightmare of an experience because they still don't like how they just kind of parade people through there, you know, pose, smile, flash, go. You know, it's just, (laughs) it's so impersonal for that much money. 
No, thanks. I'd just rather go buy tires. The experience with Giancarlo, however, was uh, Brett Leader 1 and I went to his table after we had seen his panel. And his panel was spectacular. He, he did have a moderator, a host, that left a little on the table. I think the questions that he asked were rather generic, and how he approached the, the entire interaction was a little... I don't want to say kindergarten-y, but it was very grade school-ish. I wasn't really too impressed with his skills as an interviewer, and that's just not me being an asshole. I did ask other people because I thought maybe I was being an asshole, but I wasn't. His his skill as an interviewer wasn't the best. However, Giancarlo did not disappoint. He took control and started, you know, just obviously he already had something in his mind that he wanted to say. And at the end of his talk, I honestly wanted to stand up, say amen, give him a round of applause and throw some money in the collection plate. It was inspirational. He was he was genuine. He he he's a giving and caring individual for humanity. And it is so cool to see because you know Giancarlo has been around for a long time and I know I'd mentioned in my previous podcast about wanting to talk to him about do the right thing I did get to talk to him Giancarlo gave me about 15 to 20 minutes the line for his signing was not very long so we're sitting there and we're talking and the interaction was great and it was crisp and it wasn't it wasn't like the normal dialogue you know when you've done too many cons yeah 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 you know he 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 kept eye contact with me. At no time when Giancarlo and I were talking did he look away. He didn't stay focused on signing the picture. He looked me in the eyes. He was genuine, and you could see the man is just, he is all about people. He is all about humanity. And that was, that was spectacular. It was so cool. So, of course, you know, at the end of the interaction, at the signing, at, the, at his table, getting the picture done, Brett Leader 1 picked up a, uh, I think he picked up a Moff Gideon picture with the, the, the dark saber and little baby yodes. And it was perfect. It worked well. And then he came around to take a picture with the two of us, which was absolutely spectacular. So he comes around. We get, like, three or four pictures with him. And it's just, like hanging out with like a bud. It was just like good to see him. He treated us like, you know, he knew us. It was awesome. And then as parting, I had to get my one my one question. This is the one that I really wanted to give him in the podcast or on camera because I think it's probably the most compelling and and what I had seen from previous interviews now actually even more further cemented by seeing him in a panel and talking an hour about, you know, lifting each other up and helping your neighbor and, and doing what you can uh, and to, you know, move forward in this world, how to move forward. So as I'm sitting there listening to this, it, it really confirms my question. So as he's walking back around the table, because he came around to take the picture with Brett Leader 1 and I, I asked him point blank, how... Do you do it? He stops. He looks at me. He looks me in the eye. And, and, and he, and he kind of had like an acquisitive look in his eye. And he, you know, I'm like, you are obviously a humanitarian. You care about your, your, your everyday man. You're all about the people. You have a tremendous heart and, and a love for everyone around you. How do you switch from that to someone like Gus or... Moff Gideon, how do you 
go from that genuine love to such indifference and cold, calculated evil. And he, and you know what? The best response I have ever, ever received to a question. He didn't. He just gave me the look. The Giancarlo Esposito Gus look. And it was instant. There was, there was no emotion. There was, there was that cold calculating. Like at the end of the first season of, uh, or second season. Uh, no, it was first season. End of first season of Mandalorian when he gets out of the, the wrecked TIE fighter and he just has that look. And he gives that to Brett Leader one and I. And it was perfect. He gave us the look. He turned around and went back behind the table without a word. Brett and I both knew we had been served. I mean, that was just it. It was like, God damn, that was awesome. Brett and I, I got chills. And Brett and I walked away, like I said, the best experience for meeting a guest for the first time ever. And I will, I will always hold that one right close to the heart. That was just spectacular. The cosplay and everything that we did, of course, everyone loved. Who doesn't love the Ghostbusters? The kids love us. We worked closely with Distortions to unveil the Slimer model, which will be out at Rocky Mountain Con this weekend. Uh, We will be there with it on display. Come and take a picture and um, make a donation if you would like. If you're moved to, to the Feeding Denver's Hungry, which will be our toy drive coming up on December 11th. So there will be information and all that there. But um, we did the unveiling for the Sony authorized licensed Slimer model that Distortions built. It will be available for sale on fun.com starting November 17th. So if you haven't gone over to the Colorado Ghostbusters site, check it out. I'll probably post it up on the 5280 Geek website here soon. But if you want to see it now, you can go to the Ghostbusters Facebook page and check it out. The response was great we even i even did i did my first tiktok well i guess not my first tiktok but i did a tiktok i don't even have tiktok (laughs) but it was actually kind of cool ghostbusters chasing a ghost you got you got to tune in it should be also on the ghostbusters page on uh facebook if it's not up already it's actually pretty hilarious we're a bunch of goobs without a doubt um other than that, your usual stops for photos. We did have a great interaction with a fan. Uh, a, a, a gentleman and his younger daughter stopped by the Distortions booth, and um, she was she was just a sweet little thing. She was in her Ghostbuster costume, and uh, she chatted us up. She wants to be a Ghostbuster, and in my I have a prize bag that I carry with me that's got different Colorado Ghostbusters things and all of that, and in it is. Um, I carry a small T-shirt. Let's face it, you know, there's no one in our Ghostbusters group that's going to fit into a small T-shirt. <laughs> Schmedium does not look good on a Ghostbuster. But they are great for the kids. And this little little girl, we, we decided, you know what, here you go. She was She's sitting there. She's quoting the movie to us. And it was adorable. So we gave her a Colorado Ghostbusters T-shirt. It, and and she she almost like broke into tears. She just like almost erupted right there. Even uh, Private Cheeseburger Double A Ron uh, suited up, got a little misty. You could see it in his eyes. He was just moved to the point of you know just like oh, it just hit the right sentimental button. I think the father posted it on their their Facebook page and, and tagged us in it. But it was just it was so sweet and it was just absolutely innocent. 
And it's those moments that you know you you just kind of live for. So that was that was actually a very good solid moment for all of us because it was just so so sweet and so innocent. The other moment that stands out in the con is the Shatner panel. Shatner only came out for Sunday, fresh off of his shot into space, his free floating experience. And I do have to give Shatner credit. The man can tell a story. I know there have been, like, I think I counted, it's been three times that I have been set up for an interview with Shatner, and all three times Shatner has changed his mind at the last minute and has decided not to to do the interviews. And that's fine. It, you know, he always stays and does pictures. He answers questions, or he's just hungry and he needs a burger. I get it. And, you know, where do I line up in the order of priorities? I think I would be pretty high. But, you know, Shatner at least knows me. But the fun thing is um, his panel that he delivered on Sunday is an incredible story about um, his his travels recently and, of course, his, the story behind him going into space and the overall experience of going up there. He's got other – he's got some other analogies that really – hit home and drive the point and the moral of the story. I, Shatner can tell, I mean, damn, the man is good. I mean, I honestly felt like we should have had a campfire, uh, some beers, and just kind of sit there listening to him. He knows he knows when to throw in a joke. He even knows when they're bad, but people still applaud. People still laugh, and it is in a, it's in a, hey, it's like seeing your favorite uncle you know, what's he up to now? You know, what what wildebeest is he out there wrestling? What is the man doing now? And, of course, we know his his adventures going into space at 90 years old. But the man does not look like he's in his 90s. The man does not act like he's in his 90s. Fuck. I just, I, 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 am, I marvel at his resilience and his, his dedication and just basically his quest for life i mean i know shatner has been called a lot of things and i know there's there's troubled stories out there as many as there are good stories but to sit back and just kind of soak in what he's saying and what's going through his mouth or going through his mind and and he verbalizes everything so it's fun and it, it was engaging and it was amazing to listen from the perspective of someone that you kind of feel like you know I've seen Shatner enough times that I feel like I have a very good handle on the person, of the man, of who he is. We know, you know, when he's in public and he's not at a show, he's he's just William Shatner. You know, he deals with the fans as he can, but he tries to move about his day and life for being, at this point, a living legend. There's no escaping not knowing who William Shatner is. You may not recognize him at first, but everybody kind of kind of recognizes him and gives him a wide berth or respects the privacy and the distance. I always wanted to talk to him. In fact, the last time he came through for my interview I was hoping to get, I wanted to talk about Better Late Than Never. It was a great show with him traveling around, you know, Asia, and it was absolutely hilarious to watch him and Terry Bradshaw, George Foreman, and the, you know, and, and the Fonz, Henry Winkler, interact. It was spectacular. And I really wanted to ask more about that, but I never got the chance. So now, if I ever get the chance to interview Shatner again, because I know he'll be back. He loves Colorado. Uh, one of his daughters uh, went to school here. So he obviously, you know, kind of 
I wouldn't say calls this place home, but he's definitely familiar with the landscape and the area and everything else. I'm sure as he does the con circuit, the story of his trip to space will be immediate. He even addresses it immediately when he sits down. He's like, all right, I know the questions you all got, and I'm just going to go right at it. So <laughs> there, there is no moderator. There is no interviewer, as always. And if you've ever been to a Shatner panel, he really doesn't take questions. He really, I mean, the original Kevin Smith of, you know, sitting down and telling a story that engages and makes you think and it's entertaining is the master of. The man can tell a story, like I said before, and it's worth listening to. And like I said, the moral at the end is is pretty impressive. I'm sure he'll be back without a doubt. Uh, and if you can catch him at one of the cons or catch one of his panels, I would highly recommend it. it like I said, if anything else, it's entertaining. It gives you something to think about. Uh, let's see. What else? I think we talked about the Cowboy Bebop trailer, which is awesome. Can't wait for that. There was a story and um, another trailer that hit that I don't know. Um, I'm excited to see this. And more is more and more comes out. Um, I'm less apprehensive. If you missed it, D, uh, Disney gave us the Lightyear. Um, doo, 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 sorry, I was scrolling. The the Lightyear trailer. So it's basically who the toy Buzz Lightyear was based on. So it kind of is like a Buck Rogers envisioned Buzz Lightyear that I think actually I'm kind of on board for. Now, when I had originally heard that Chris Evans was going to be voicing. Buzz, I was a little upset because let's face it, I, when I hear or see Buzz, I immediately go to Tim Allen, and I really, I really like Tim Allen's take on Buzz Lightyear. So to see um, Chris Evans, who of course you know Captain America, how can you get you know any more red, white, and blue than that? And the image that you get for Buzz Lightyear in the trailer is. It's beautiful. It's a great story. And like I said, it is very much like Buck Rogers in how they approach the story. So I'm I'm definitely in, even though I was kind of on the bubble, and I still might be. But let's face it, every time that I go to one of these films, and Toy Story has never not got me to tear up, you bastards, how dare you, uh, I have a feeling that this will be the same for Lightyear. I know it's an origin story. I know it just kind of tells the tale of how Buzz became Buzz and what the toy is based off of. But if there's one thing that can be <laughs> the most realistic and truer statements is that Pixar just knows how to push those buttons and get you to just just wax nostalgic. Just makes you cry. It's okay. Uh, I could use a good cry every once in a while. We all could, right? Anyway, um, we'll see when this is. I don't know if they've got um, Lightyear launches June 17th of 2022. So we got to wait till summer. But if you haven't seen the trailer, please, by all means, go check that out. Uh, I know I didn't post it because there were just I, – I made a choice on which – which ones I wanted, and I stuck to it. Hasbro, Hasbro Plus, also in the main vein of Ghostbusters, showed off their new um, 
their new pack, and they're doing a Kickstarter right now. Uh, Ghostbusters uh, designed by HasLab. If you go to Hasbro pulse.com products and there should be a section for ghostbusters um they are doing the kickstarter there are as of this recording 40 days left to the kickstarter there are different stretch goals and one is a slime looking kind of accessory that snaps on there looks like you got got nailed the pack itself looks great um it is very very Afterlife based, uh, it is Spangler's pack from everything that I can tell from the the pictures and everything that's released. It looks like a pretty pretty impressive toy. I hate to I hate to say that, but it it's a very impressive looking toy. Even down to the cyclotron that you can take off, which no one has ever done that before. Uh, the uh, the minimum is three ninety nine ninety nine for funding for this. And hopefully they hit their stretch goals. Uh, I don't. The problem is, I have built two proton packs, and uh, to just buy one, I'm a little on the bubble. There are some cool things I do like up, like the startup sequence. It's based on Afterlife, which is probably the coolest thing when the cyclotron finally kicks back up after being dormant for all of this time so very cool the cyclotron being removable is is kind of a cool effect if you picked up spangler's wand earlier in the year this does integrate to the proton pack so you can have both even though it does come with its own wand already the uh, details look they 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 spared no expense uh, tremendous, but it's missing like the A-frame that the Proton Pack would be strapped onto. There's a couple of other things. I don't know how detailed. It just looks, you know, like plastic mold injection. So I don't know the quality, and I'm a little hesitant to drop three ninety nine on something that I think is just going to be an over-glorified spirit of Halloween pack. So I'm a little on the bubble, but we'll we'll see we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'll watch the. <laughs> The the, t- the countdown to sale and the 40 days and how that all turns out. So, anyway, good to know. Um, I think that is about it. Yeah, that's it. I got nothing else. So, we will be back next week. We will give you what the highlights are from Rocky Mountain Con. We do have some toy openings that will be coming up this week. PJ and I worked on some stuff and we'll have that ready for you this week in addition to whatever stuff else that is going on. If you got any comments, questions, please, by all means, shoot them, direct message me, put them in the post below. Always interested to hear what the fans have to say. But in the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night. <laughs>